Welcome to the awesome pod mix. You're listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, "When a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker." That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema. Today I'll be talking about the fourth episode of Marvel Studios Moon Knight. Whether Marvel creates movies or TV shows, they are all cinematic. This episode's title is The Tomb, written by Alex Menehan and Peter Cameron and Sabir Pirzada and directed by the director duo Aaron Moorehead and Justin Benson. The episode begins with a shot of an entrance with light emitting from outside. just like we've seen in the end credit sequence we see an upside down shot of selim's silhouette walking in the dark as he approaches forward the light shows selim holding konshu's ushapti the frame rotates and the shot slowly turns back to normal selim places the ushapti on the shelf selim looks down as if he's ashamed of what he's done and then walks out the camera tracks back to reveal nine other ushaptis apart from konshu's lying on the shelf Looks like a whole set of the Iliad. Were the ones who appeared on the trial of Harrow frauds? Marvel Studios title sequence begins. We now see a beetle scarab walking up to the dune and flying away. Layla is trying to wake Steven up. She drags him from the head side and then she finds Arthur's men approaching them in their gypsy. Layla tries to pick Steven up but the men shoot at them. She rolls Steven and herself down the dune. Layla rushes to the jeep and hides in the back of the jeep. Harrow's men spot Steven and assume he's dead. Layla finds a pouch filled with red flares. She lights one and distracts the men in the gypsy to turn around and approach her. She throws another flare at the gypsy killing them all. Layla looks up hoping it's all over and when she turns, the camera pans to show Steven standing dumbfounded behind her. Now it's the break of dawn. The camera travels to show the rocky terrain. Layla and Steven are headed to the location of the tomb. Layla suggests that they can't waste any more time as Arthur would already be there and they are going to need Mark. Mark speaks from the side mirror reflection, stating that Layla understands the gravity of the situation. Steven disagrees and discloses that he and Mark had made a deal that when he's done with Konshu he would disappear for good. Mark points out that the deal didn't involve getting Layla and Steven and Mark killed. Layla is appalled because these two men made a deal without consulting her. and that mark would disappear from leila's life great going stevey kudos when it dawns upon steven he reacts by saying oh oh steven comes up with a great loophole that mark has already disappeared from leila's life oh wow stevey just wow mark orders steven to give the body to him this instant because what steven is doing is a suicide mission You have to check out Steven's expression here. It's like one of those kids who are told to share their toys and then they make a face like, "No, I'm not going to." Layla says, "Mark would lone wolf the whole thing anyway, so they are not going to let him do that." The moment Steven says, "It's just you and me and the open road," the jeep stops. The bullet marks on the windshield are similar to the ones that we've seen in the end credit sequence. From here on, Layla and Steven walk on foot. They walk for a bit and find Harrow's camp outside the tomb. It looks like Harrow is already inside. Layla and Mark search the camp for supplies. Steven finds a flashlight next to a magnifying glass like the one we've seen in the end credit sequence. He speaks to Mark in the table glass reflection. Mark warns Steven that he should be scared because without Konshu there's no more suit, no more healing, no more power. 
Stephen says, and no more you. Stephen can't believe anything Mark says because Stephen is not a plonker. Mark says he really wishes to disappear, but he requests Stephen to be smart about this for Layla's sake. Mark pleads his case, saying he's been in situations like this before. Stephen is like, so have I. We are the same body, isn't it? It's in there somewhere, muscle memory. Stephen, that's not how it works. Mark assures Stephen that he's not alone. Stephen agrees and he says he's got Layla and Layla's got his back. Mark asks Stephen if he's in love with Layla. Of course he is. Have you seen his face light up when he looks at Layla or talks about Layla? Mark says, if you lay one finger on my wife, I'll throw us off a cliff. You should have thought about that before you decided to disappear on her. Stephen says, if I need a recipe for a protein shake or something, I'll call you. Stephen is mighty excited about this adventure. Layla ties the harness for Stephen and gets incredibly close. Layla says, you smell like Mark. Of course he's gonna smell like Mark. Why are you smelling him? Layla leans in to kiss and Stephen blurts the truth out. Mark is trying to protect you from Konshu. That's why he's been pushing you away. He thinks Konshu wants you for his avatar and he won't let that happen. Layla asks, why are you telling this to me now? Because Stephen feels Layla needs to know the truth. She deserves the truth. Layla says it wasn't Mark's call to make. She doesn't need protection. She needs honesty, which is more of a Stephen thing. Stephen, like a complete idiot, says, what? Being honesty? Layla says, yeah, being honesty. Stephen puts his hand on Layla's shoulders and kisses her. She kisses him back but retracts. Layla is awkward and Stephen is happy, as if he accomplished something of a great deal. Layla was not happy with the kiss. Stephen completely ignored her reaction. It was a really awkward kiss in the history of awkward kisses. Layla relays down the rope. Mark takes control for a moment and punches Stephen in the face. Layla drops down and removes her harness. Stephen falls down as he relays from his rope and wishes that Layla hadn't seen that. Stephen and Layla are standing facing each other and Stephen says, Wow, look at you. Layla thinks Stephen is complimenting her, but he's admiring the beauty of the statue behind her. Layla makes a mark at the lion statue in remembrance of her father. Stephen and Layla discuss Layla's father being an archaeologist and his death. Stephen and Layla walk around and Stephen says, Strange. Stephen strange? Layla figures that it's a maze. Stephen says, it's amazing. Layla tries to correct him saying, it's amaze. There are like six parts. Stephen says, yes, he knows that. Stephen points out that the whole structure is like the symbol of the Eye of Horus, royal symbol of protection in the afterlife. Layla says Amit's final avatar was a pharaoh. Stephen says, the Eye of Horus is also the Eye of the Mind. It represents the six senses, the six points. The avatar would be Amit's voice. Layla talks about the Heka priests entombed here to protect the pharaoh. Stephen says, what the heck's a Heka? Layla explains, sorcerer of their times. Stephen is scared to see the fresh blood and meat pieces lying around, so he suggests they should go another way. Stephen climbs up and is distracted by the preservation method used to mummify. Layla asks Stephen to focus on finding an exit. They hear a noise. Layla hides. The Heka enters the place dragging a body. We see it's Billy, one of the fake cops from Arthur's crew. The Heka starts to remove Billy's organs using a hook. 
Steven and Layla manage to escape the clutches of the Hekka but go in two separate directions. Layla reaches a bottomless pit and a small ledge leading to the other side. As she makes her way, she is attacked by another Hekka. The Hekka grabs her and drags her away to kill her. She manages to fight him and then hit him with one of the flares right in the eye. She then tosses him into the pit but is dragged along. For a moment, we think she fell too. But the camera reveals she's barely holding on to the ledge. She climbs up. She pants and coughs and takes a moment to gather herself. She screams. When she gets up to leave, she spots Harrow on the other side. In the next scene, Stephen is exhilarated to see that it's the tomb of one of the big pharaohs. Mark speaks to Stephen through the water stream reflection. Mark says, So, you kissed her. Stephen is so cocky, he says. What are you going to do? Try and drown us now? This is foreshadowing that he will be drowned by the end of the episode. Mark definitely wants to drown Stephen, but he's also grateful that he told Layla the truth. Stephen spots Macedonian relics. It's the tomb of Alexander the Great. In the other scene, Arthur tells Layla, you handled that beautifully. Layla responds, why do all men like you feel it necessary to be just so condescending? Arthur speaks in another language and ends that sentence with my little scarab. Layla stops in her tracks and turns to look at him. Arthur speaks highly of Layla's father and how Layla proved his belief that Egyptian gods walk among humans. He also reveals that the scales show him the moments of sin and pain and Layla's husband is in agony. Mark hasn't told Layla the truth. So Layla says, obviously Arthur is dying too. In the other scene, Stephen is reluctant but Mark pushes him to retrieve Amit's Ushapti before Harrow. He opens the sarcophagus and decodes that the Ushapti is hidden inside the gullet. In the scene with Arthur and Layla, Arthur says Layla's father was killed by mercenaries and no one knows who they were. Layla checks if Arthur is suggesting Mark is one of them. Arthur mentions a fuchsia scarf. It's the same scarf we've seen in the end credit sequence. Layla gave that scarf to her father. A tear rolls down Layla's eye. Arthur wants Layla to find closure and wake up. It's just one of Arthur's tactics to create a rift between her and Mark. Arthur's men come to Arthur and inform him that they have found another way. And in the next scene, Stephen finds Amit's Ushapti. Layla finds Stephen. Stephen presents the Ushapti like it's an award. Stephen checks on Layla. You alright, love? Layla demands to speak with Mark about her father's death. Mark wants to get out of there as soon as possible. But Layla insists on knowing the truth that very instant. Mark reveals that his partner got greedy and killed Layla's father along with other archaeologists. He tries tried to save him but he couldn't. Mark's partner shot Mark too. He should have died too. He wanted to tell Layla sooner than later. That's the reason they met in the first place. Mark had a guilty conscience. Mark and Layla hear footsteps approaching. Mark asks Layla to find a way out and until then he'll hold them off. Arthur arrives and is disappointed to see Mark. Mark fights off Arthur's men using Alexander's axe and after a bit Arthur shoots Mark twice in the chest. Layla watches from a distance and cries as Mark gets shot. Mark falls and hits the water stream below. Arthur says, I can't save someone who won't save themselves. Mark is half submerged in water. We see a back shot of Mark as he glides in the water as if he's floating and he ascends into the light amidst the darkness. The light transitions into a flashlight. The aspect ratio changes to 4 is to 3 like an old movie from back in the day. We meet a fictional Stephen Grant hunting some treasure in Indiana Jones's style. This thing is being played on an LED TV in a psychiatric facility. A game of bingo is on. 
Crawley, the golden pantomime from the first two episodes, is announcing the numbers from his white hat. A bald guy is solving a Rubik's Cube. Bobby is serving meds along with fruits and jellies from the cart. Bobby walks up to Donna, who's holding a scarab plushie. Mogart's bodyguard, Beck, is serving cupcakes, exactly like the ones we saw in the first episode, to a lady sporting a bandana. The lady has drawn a sketch of the hummingbird with Conchu's beak. We see a reflection shot of Billy as he brings Mark seated in a wheelchair. But Billy was killed by the heck a couple of scenes back. We see a fish bowl with a goldfish over a stack of books. We see Mark sedated, barely able to keep his eyes open. A hand rests on Mark's shoulder. The nurse tells him she changed the movie. This is Layla as a nurse, eating marshmallows and pinning postcards on the whiteboard. Layla has a scarlet scarab band-aid on her pinky. Mark wins bingo, and Layla, the nurse, swears she would share the prize with him this time. Mark looks at his reflection in the glass and calls out to Stephen. He even steps closer to the glass, but falls face smack to the floor because of his ankle restraint to the wheelchair, just like he was to his bed in the first two episodes. A Moon Knight figurine falls off from Mark's hand onto the floor. Billy comes and helps Mark get back onto the wheelchair. Mark stares at the Moon Knight figurine. We now see that Mark is in a therapy session with Arthur Harrow. The movie that was playing earlier on TV was Tomb Buster, a play on the movie named Tomb Raider. Arthur liked the villain in the film, no surprises there. Mark spots a painting of the Alps from the first episode. All this while Arthur's face is out of focus. When we finally see Arthur's face, he's sporting a moustache and spectacles. Arthur is explaining context and perspective with the help of his pen. Mark spots Arthur's cane, his sandals and a prism like a pyramid. Arthur knows that everything reminds Mark of Stephen, but Arthur dismisses it. He thinks Mark is being triggered and overwhelmed. Arthur says, I can't help you if you don't help yourself. I had a feeling during the scene in the tomb that a similar line would be repeated soon. I didn't know it would be this soon. This line reminds Mark that Arthur shot him. Mark tries to run away but he can barely crawl. Mark tells Arthur to stay away. He gets up and he falls. He gets up again and he falls again. What he doesn't do is give up. He sees a golden crocodile head artifact in Arthur's office. Mark tries to open the door. We have seen the same door in the end credit sequence. Arthur continues to lecture Mark on mental health issues which sounds more like gaslighting than healing. Mark breaks the glass on the door. Billy and Bobby grab him to set him straight. Mark hits Billy and bites Bobby and escapes. Billy and Bobby chase after Mark. Arthur is nonchalantly standing, thinking, how far is Mark gonna run? Mark runs through the psychiatric facility corridor, the same corridor that we've seen in the end credit sequence. Mark charges ahead despite seeing the corridor swaying from one side to the other. He locks himself in a room. The room has a sarcophagus. Someone is trying to get out. The person is screaming, let me out, let me out, repeatedly. When Mark opens the sarcophagus, Stephen steps out. Mark and Stephen are delighted to see each other. They hug and it seems like a reunion of sorts. Stephen questions the likelihood of Mark and Stephen existing as two separate bodies. Mark has no clue. The last thing both of them remember is Arthur Harrow shooting at them. They both try to escape and spot another sarcophagus where someone inside is struggling to get out. I think this is their third identity, Jake Larkley. Mark and Stephen pass by him. At the end of the corridor, there is a door. They see a silhouette of someone and footsteps approaching the door. When the door opens, we see its Tawaret. Tawaret is the protective ancient Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility with a hippopotamus head. 
Tavaret is voiced by Antonia Saleb. She pleasantly greets Mark and Steven but they scream in fear. Is this the underworld where you are judged before you can pass through the field of reeds? Steven did talk about the field of reeds in the first episode. This whole psychiatric facility sequence has to be a dream or a simulation. We never saw how Mark landed there and Leila can't be on Arthur's side. Billy died in the tomb. This must be a trick from Arthur to figure out where Mark hid Amit's ushapti, the goldfish, the cupcakes, Rubik's cube, ankle restraint, Conchu's beak, bodyguard beck, scarab plushie, goddess tauret. These are smart details thrown in, but it's an illusion. At the end of this sequence, the five words that i said were what the f just happened you can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on apple podcasts spotify amazon music and google podcasts if you like what i'm doing i'll soon be launching the awesome pod mix page on patreon and you can support me there thanks for listening